Welcome to the Midman Podcast, a podcast focused on helping you level up your practice. I'm Jesse Arnoldson. And I'm Jay Holmes. Through interviews with some of the most successful leaders in the industry, we help uncover resources, tools, and ideas to help you level up. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's program. Hey, everybody. Jesse here with the Midman Podcast. We're back again with Josh Thompson from Idaho State University. Josh, uh, as a reminder, comes from a background of running urgent cares, psychiatric hospitals, and skilled nursing facilities. He now teaches in the healthcare administration program in the College of Business at ISU, helping student, helping share his insights and experience with students. Josh, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me again. Well, you know, last time we talked about why you do what you do, what, what motivates you to, to be in healthcare. It's a pretty challenging industry to be in. Josh, how do you keep up with it? How do you keep your flame lit? Well, in my field now with academia, it's it's a little it's obviously a little bit different. I'm not dealing with the regulatory requirements of, you know, of, of the current pandemic and, and everything that we're dealing with right now. So from my from my perspective now, it's the education component and piece of of helping the students to understand what their purpose is in in taking care of patients and taking care of of all of these vulnerable populations, whether you know it's a it's a six month old or a, a ninety five year old individual. Right. Yeah. My motivation is is just if I'm going to have a job, I want to have something that I care about and, and something that speaks to my soul and and something involving healthcare is where it's at. Right. Awesome. Well, Josh, you know, last time we talked about the action or the improvement that that you're most proud of in your career. And now we're to my favorite part of it. Where did you fall flat on your face, Josh? And what did you learn from it? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk failure. <laughs> oh boy. So first off, I really hope that if there's any way that this podcast could make it so that my students couldn't hear this, that would be fantastic. <laughs> right. I like to teach them your mistakes, but you never want to tell them about the worst thing that you did. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. So I guess my biggest mistake. So we talked, we talked briefly on my biggest improvement. And I know that this is a, a podcast mainly for practice administrators, but I'm going to go back to the hospital setting again, because I think both the, the mistake and the, the improvement that I, that I'll talk about both actually fit me really well when I moved into the, the practice administrator standpoint. That's something that I didn't have to learn because I had already had to, to eat that manure, if you will, uh, the hard way in the hospital. So I didn't have to eat it again. The biggest mistake that I made when I was working at that psychiatric hospital and, and I was told to, obviously I was told to, to fire everybody. My improvement was that I didn't fire people. The other part of that is we are all highly regulated in hospitals and in nursing homes and, and there's regulation and, and private practice and in urgent cares. And we always get to deal with those. What I was told is that there were no fundamental problems in the process of the hospital and that I needed to focus my time on the nursing home. And so as we discussed earlier about the letting people go, I, I focused all my time in that nursing home and I really didn't focus a ton on the hospital, not nearly what I should have. I focused on the people, but I didn't focus on the process. And my process was flawed. Jesse, two weeks after I got there, we had a, a state and a federal survey come in and I got 57 tags, which for those of you that don't understand, that's about five times as many as you should get Ooh. if you were if you were a kind of difficult building. What a great way to kick things off, right? Yeah, I'd been there for two weeks and that happened. And this is a great example. Survey comes in and they had asked, this is a psychiatric hospital, and they had asked me 
for my organ transfer paperwork. And I said, I, we don't need to do that. This is a, a psychiatric hospital. And the surveyor just walked away and they'd come back and they'd ask me for things. How is your plumbing fit for, for surgeries? And my response would be, this is a, a psychiatric hospital. We don't have to do that. I didn't actually look into the regulatory requirements, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the state of Idaho, psychiatric hospitals are surveyed or audited exactly like a regular hospital. And you have to have the paperwork and the process, whether you do it or not, available. So we didn't have a transfer agreement with somebody who actually can take organ donations. We didn't have a backflow valve in our, in our plumbing to make sure the blood didn't get into the, the main water system in the rooms, which still in my mind sounds funny because from a common sense standpoint, well, that makes no sense. We don't do those type of things. Right. But my perception was exactly what I was told and I didn't look into it and I didn't verify the information. Not saying that you can't trust people, but it's not what you expect. It's what you inspect. And I didn't inspect. <laughs> right. So Jesse, 57 page survey is the equivalent of six months of paperwork. Ooh. Um, I had some pretty, pretty long days and long nights for that first six months. On top of trying to fix the culture, we had to write policies and procedures for pretty much everything. Luckily enough, I, I had contacts with places like the University of Utah that provided a lot of information for like the organ transplant stuff. And we were able to, to skirt a lot of the surger, surgical stuff. Uh, I did have to have a plumbing company in and, and basically change our entire plumbing system to the tune of $25,000 within a week so that we could actually keep patients in the building. Uh, So there were a lot of things that we had to do, but my biggest mistake was reacting to issues that were perceived without taking the time to actually look into them. Um, I was, I was reacting to the fact that we didn't need to have those because this is what we are when in all reality, no, these people are the experts and they were right. And I needed to, to heed the original warning and ask questions as opposed to make statements. I learned a lot that day. I learned a lot that week. (laughs) Uh, And it transitioned substantially into the urgent care setting. So this is something that that I've I've been able to implement in an urgent care because of this reaction. So I want to I I hate talking about negatives, Jesse, so I'm gonna flip it to the positive, but because of the negative, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So one of the issues that you're gonna find is that people coming into an urgent care Resident staff want to, or patients, excuse me, want to come in and get out. The reason why they're going to an urgent care is it's supposed to be fast-paced. Have any of you practice administrators actually ever just sat in the lobby for a couple of days and watched the process? Just go sit in the corner or have somebody sit that's, not going, to, that's going to be able to pay attention to your staff and see what's going on. See how hard it is for a single mom in the middle of the day with two kids coming in and trying to fill out all the paperwork to do the insurance, to provide all the information while they've got kids screaming and she's stressed because these kids are screaming and she feels bad and, and it's, and it's awkward and she's got all this stuff to do. Right. By going and taking the time, we did a couple of, of very minor changes in a building and it had a massive impact on their business. Uh, taking a look and putting a survey process in play for at the end of it, making sure from a paperwork process for them to fill out their information, it's done on an iPad that's already pre-given to them. So when they get it, they can log in. They've already got a system built. Obviously it's got to work with your EMR. Once you get that scheduled and set up, they go into that. But really, um, the biggest mistake that I've ever made was, was basically making a huge assumption, reacting to something that I'm told as opposed to looking into it and, and getting the facts for myself. Obviously, we're being, getting brought in to run something. If you're new, there's something that happened that wasn't working right, typically. There's something mm-hmm. going on that needs to be fixed. If you're somebody who's been in a place for a long time, you may have a little bit of, of you know, been around the, the loop and this is the way that it works all the time. And just 
don't be scared to change. And, and honestly, one of the funnest things I've ever done was actually go and sit in the corner of the of the the urgent care and just watch the process. Right. It's a little bit creepy, I'll be honest. But <laughs> but, but you learn so much and you get to learn not just of the patient's perspective, but you get to learn of the staff's perspective. You get to see how the staff is doing it. You get to see how hard it is for the, you know, the individual up front who is taking all the phone calls, who is completing all the insurance, who is basically doing the the first steps of the the patient intake and in turn they're the first face and the hugest part of the customer service at the very beginning. Right. If the patient's in a bad mood when they get in the back, was it because of the person at the front desk as opposed to them just coming in and not feeling well? Because that could change that. So taking some of that burden off by finding ways that we can use with technology and other processes to put into play is vastly important from a patient and a quality perspective, but also on a bottom line perspective. Absolutely. Josh, how do you, you know, I, I going back to it's a philosophy of trust, but verify, correct? We, I think far too often we are afraid of, you know, it falls into a couple of categories. Either we're afraid to offend somebody by pushing back on them and saying, no, you know, I really don't trust you. You need to show me. Or, you know, maybe I think as practice administrators, we do this quite often. We're moving as fast as we possibly can. And so if somebody tells us that there's not a problem in this area, we're more than happy to just move on. Right. I've, I'm guilty of that quite often. But how do you, Josh, how do you, one, help people feel trusted, but still get from them the verification that you're seeking, not taking them just at face value? And then the other side, you know, how do you slow down to make sure you're not just glossing over something and, and, and taking their word for it and, and, you know, getting it comes back to bite you there in the end, like the survey did. <laughs> So a, a couple of things. Number one, being kind and having conversations with staff. If they're if you're afraid of offending them, you've already done something wrong to them, or right. you've got a, a significant personal personality issue internally that you need to work on. Um, asking somebody to explain why they did something or explain how something works shouldn't offend anybody. And in fact, the biggest piece that I've done historically, whether it was with pharmacists or physicians or PAs, um, everybody, my medical director. I'm not calling them out on it, but I would say, can you please explain to me why you're doing it that way or why it's done this way? I don't understand it because I don't think that way. And so help me understand it so I can clarify it in my mind because it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And you're making them the expert at that point and they're teaching you. And I mean, as an educator, I, I, we get an ego. I, I have an ego of teaching my students. We all do that. We're the expert in this field. And so you're giving me the opportunity to be the expert. And in that turn, I'm giving them the, the opportunity to be an expert. It's right. actually, it, it actually gains more trust, in my opinion. I honestly, Jesse, I've never had a problem with what you're talking about. Not once. Yeah. And I basically claim to be the dummy 90% of the time. I think, I think that that's, that's the strategy, right? You know, we do practice assessments at MedMan and we go in quite often and we have structured our questions differently. You know, for example, do you do you have a social media policy for how the, you know, how how the social media platforms of the practice are managed? Yes or no? You know, that that's not the that's not the right way to ask. We, you know, hey, can you show me your social media policy? Um we we try and structure the questions and and put our in a way that gets us what we need but doesn't put them I guess under the light like it's an interrogation. And I but I do love your I love your strategy of, you know, educate me. Tell, tell me how this works. Like that's another way of getting to it. That's I, I think it's in the way that we question because if you're just if you start with the yes or no, 
yes, we have that policy. Oh, where is it? You know, it, it kind of demonstrates that that lack of trust in them and, and sets things off in the wrong way, right? Yeah. Oh. So what I, what I would say to that, Jesse, is you just hit the nail on the head. What you should never do is ask a closed-ended question. Right. Your job is not to ask a closed-ended question because you're going to get a closed-ended answer. You mm-hmm. do not want yes or no. It isn't do you have, it's could you show me? Right. Or please take me to it. Something so that you can physically, yeah. yes. Because if you ask a closed-ended question, you get a closed-ended answer. And in turn, you actually haven't learned anything as an administrator. <laughs> right. You've right. learned that you you know how to assume, which if we go back to my biggest mistake, there you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then you brought up a, a, the second part of your question earlier was how do you slow things down? I'm wired pretty tight. I think for those who know me, I'm, I'm wired really tight. But there's a quote that I have. And so next on my desk in my office, there's a, I have a whiteboard on the wall, tiny little whiteboards, like 16 by 24 inches, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it has this quote that I wrote on it. And so I'm going to read it to you real quick, because once I found this quote, it, it made me have a better understanding of how I function, the functionality yeah. of Josh. This is what it is. Always know what your action is, because then when you come in in the morning confident or you can't hit your ass with both hands, you know, you know what to do. All that means, Jesse, I read that and I, I, for the longest time I read it and I didn't understand what it was saying, but I just kind of liked it saying, yeah. you just got to figure this out. What it really means is just have intention, have purpose in what you're doing. So have intention of what you're going to do on a day-to-day basis. Your goal as a practice administrator should be to better your business. Well, how are you going to do that? Is it going to be through your process? Is it going to be through your product? Is it going to be through your people? Well, it's probably going to be a little bit of both, if not one specifically, if you've got a glaring hole. So what is your intention and how are you going to do it? But when you come in in the morning, know that you have intention. Know that you already have something in play. Do not sit at your desk and write down everything that you need to get done for the day. Mm -hmm. You should already know it. If you don't, then you're failing yourself. You've, You've set yourself up for failure. Yeah. One of the things that's been most helpful to me recently is I, I, my to-do list has evolved. It used to, I used to sit down and I'd have my, my whole to-do list with every little task on there that I needed to get done. And while I still have that, it's more of a, I, I've moved on to what are the things that have to get done today? The two or three things that are just big rocks right? I'm not going to focus on every single little pebble right now. I'm going to focus on these big rocks. And when they're done, or if I have a spare minute, then I go to my tasks and I start checking those out just so that I make sure I don't, I don't forget about them. But it's, if you let the day dictate, you know, what you're going to work on, you're, you're never going to make progress. And it's just, whether you're in a clinic or the hospital setting, it's never going to let you just have time to work on the important stuff. You have to really, like you said, go in with purpose and intent and and make sure that stuff gets done. And make sure that it's your process. Mm-hmm. Because I, I used to have, I've actually still got it on my desktop. I can see it. Uh, it's it called it my daily task list. And it had everything for my patient information of how many patients we were taking care of the prior day, all of my financial information, all the personal things that I had to get done from a personal standpoint, as well as every item from a business perspective that I had to follow through on. Right. And I got to the point where I was spending so much time managing that list that I was taking away from myself. So for me, I found other ways for to help me process how I need to get my actions completed. And so what I would tell tell you, Jesse, is it's great that you're learning, that you're evolving in how you do your daily tasks. Mm-hmm. Because I don't care if it's you at MedMan or John Doe at 
fast and quick urgent care LLC or whatever it is. We're all different, but we all have the same elephant and we're all trying to eat it. And we all have to remember it's a bite at a time. Right, right. And I think, you know, taking it back to the original thing, that allows us to slow down and make sure that we're not missing things. It happens to me all the time where, you know, hey, how's this going? Oh, it's great. Awesome. I'm going to move on. But if I'm in my right mindset, I'm like, okay, you know, tell me more about it. And we get into it and I realize, okay, it's, it's probably 80% progressing as, as what they, they originally said. And, and we need, I need to spend just a little bit of time or do this, these couple of things to make sure that it gets all the way back up to 100%. So yeah, no, I love that. Well, Josh, we all hit that, that moment where we've assumed something or trusted uh, at face value what somebody has said and, it, and it's, come, it's, it's come back to bite us. A, it's a hard lesson to learn, especially one that's, you know, boy, yours got driven home pretty drastically with a survey. I, I, there, there are easier ways to learn that lesson, Josh, but I'm glad you shared that with us. Thank you. I think my plan of correction that I wrote was a little over 200 pages. Oh my God. And that, that doesn't include the actual audits that you have to complete. That's right. just the process changes. Then yeah. you actually have to like, that's just writing a policy. Then you have to actually fulfill what you're saying you're going to do and then prove that you did it with documentation. Right. Like I can tell you, I think, I know that I had to FedEx the stuff. I remember that. And yeah. I think it was, I know it, it was over a ream of paper. Oh my gosh. So when I say it's a big mistake and it may not sound like that big of a deal, something that small can get that big real quick. Right, right. Well, I hope, you know, thank you, Josh, for sharing your insights. And for listeners, you know, what's the saying? A smart man learns from his mistakes. A wise man learns from the mistakes of others. That's the purpose of this MedMan podcast. The, the second episode of every interview is to allow us to learn off of the backs of others that have come before us that, you know, so we don't have to experience that drastic uh, or that painful of a, of a learning lesson or, or of, a, of a learning experience. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Josh Thompson. For the show notes, transcripts, materials from the show, and everything else MedMan does, head over to our website at medman.com. Remember, we'll be here twice a week sharing insights, ideas, and tools to help you level up your practice. Thanks again for joining us today. Thanks for tuning into the MedMan podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's featured guest. For the show notes, transcripts, resources, and everything else MedMan does to help you level up, be sure to visit us at medman.com. 